Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 80, Trucking. Yes, trucking. Now, I got to admit, um, what has been happening in Canada has, to a, a major degree, inspired me dramatically. What we have is a country, our neighboring country. We've had a lot in common with them over the years. But a neighboring country with one-eighth the population the United States has, and yet they managed to get somewhere between 500 and 1,000 trucks traversing the width of Canada, east to west and east and west to east, to uh, assemble in Ottawa to complain about vaccination and mask mandates. But that's not all. It's basically a movement of liberty for families, for individuals throughout uh, the Dominion of Canada. And their 10 provinces are all over the board on this. Since the trucking group and the convoy began, four of the provinces now have relaxed their masking and uh, mandates and things of that nature. Those are primarily the provinces that are committed to liberty where people, primarily farmers and small business people, still have a sense of what their liberty means to them. Uh, the more urbanized or welfare-oriented provinces are not as quick to join in, but we'll see what happens. The Canadian government and the uh, Ontario province and the city of Ottawa are all clamping down and and uh, as as we record this, uh, promising dire consequences for those people who are interfering with commerce and creating a national crisis of sorts. I had the advantage the other day of uh, speaking with Cindy Barsh, uh, who's the sister of a friend of mine, Bonnie May uh, Fibich Moore. Cindy and her husband Randy went from British Columbia to Ottawa. And they were there. They traveled the the, the west to east pilgrimage from B.C. Uh, to Ottawa. And um, she shared some things with me that I'm, I'm going to try to share with you. I took some notes, and it, it was just really insightful. Um, she said some of the things they, they encountered tow truck drivers at various places that were told to move the trucks, and they, they suddenly would get covid and in Alberta, the tow truck drivers that were uh, ordered to go remove the big rigs um, joined them and and got involved in, in the, the convoy activities, at least. Um, but, but it's not just the vaccine passports and the masking and so forth that's an issue here. People are fed up, just like they are here in the States, where um, you can't visit your your elderly family members who are in a care home or whatever. Uh, though in Canada, the rules are a little different where you could take the senior citizen out of the care home and take them to various events and so forth, but you can't visit them in the care home, which if you think about it, just radically stupid and inconsistent. And uh, so that's something that uh, you know, we encounter all over in every aspect in every country around the nation. Um, she also talked about some of the things that the 
mass media are saying, like, they're violent thugs. She said she saw none of that, and they were involved in the whole thing. Um, the Ottawa police, many of them sort of agreed with, uh, went along with, high-fived the truckers, but still others, uh, you know, follow the rules, follow orders, do what you're told. Um Fool and f- fuel and food was a big thing where the police did confiscate it and stuff to try to basically starve and drain the, the um, convoy away. So I I wondered why would you confiscate their fuel if you want them to leave? That that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Of course, many of the things the government does and the reactions the government has are nonsensical. So that that goes right into there. I, I ask, is this going to sustain? Is this going to be short-lived? Is it going to end? Well, she informed me they're starting a second wave, a second wave, a second convoy. So, uh, and they, she mentioned one of the things they have these, somebody, some resourceful person has developed a new kind of carry-on purse that uh, looks like a jerry can. So that was just sort of in response to, What's going on? Um, she said that the interesting thing was that they, they, they found people supporting them all the way across the country, standing along the roadsides, in the villages and in the rural areas, in the cities, on bridge overpasses and all that, so that the movement for liberty, the movement to minimize and eliminate much of the insanity caused by government in response to a maybe an overzealous response to a pandemic is widespread. And uh, it, it, it seems to be a growing thing within Canada. One of the things I've noted is that for my lifetime, at least it's been the United States has been the big brother and a big bully. And when we go to war somewhere, whether we attack some country just because we're SOBs or whether we go to fight to defend some dictator or tin pot, you know, tyrant somewhere, we always get Canada to follow along. It encourages me and yet disappoints me that Canada is now leading the way for our liberty. And if you look around, I, I posted a thing on Facebook about how there was a 500-vehicle convoy headed to Paris with the same attitudes. How New Zealand, which has basically been on lockdown since the beginning of this whole fiasco, uh, they're having their own convoys down there to get things going. And there appears to be the nucleus or the embryonic beginnings of one coming here in the United States. Um it's going to be interesting to see if it develops. Will it be eight times bigger? Will we have 4,000, 8,000 trucks going from L.A. to Washington, D.C.? I doubt it. How involved and how disengaged maybe will the Teamsters be? Will it only be independent truckers? Those people who are most hurt by this whole fiasco going on. What kind of response will they get as they travel from coast to coast if they do so? Uh, Will it be a warm response or will it be an indifferent one? That's one of the things that concerns me about the status of our country right now. I don't think enough people care. I don't think enough people give a damn. 
that government is overstepping the bounds once again and creating arbitrary and capricious rules and regulations that do not accurately reflect the conditions we're in. Now, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe it's just because they don't have a clue and they're, they're grasping at straws. That would, be the, that would be the plus side. But I do believe it's just an idea that they believe that they have the right to tell us what to do regardless of the ongoing, outgoing, and variable circumstances that surround the issue. Um, I think, particularly in some of the blue states, that they just want to keep things clamped down uh, so they can control the electorate. That's my bottom line. I think we are we have become as a nation, and I'm going to talk about the the federal aspect of it. Become so obsessed with who wins and who loses, who gets votes and who doesn't get votes, uh, that both parties, and again, as being a third-party type of person, I find this reprehensible, but both major parties are doing everything they can to tweak and control elections. And one way of doing that is deciding who gets to vote and who doesn't, deciding how you vote and how you don't. Now, I must admit, I'm a little distraught by the full expansion of government to, uh, or voting that, that Democrats implemented uh, because of COVID during 2020. I should say that they used COVID as the reason for that, where they just opened the floodgates, that basically, if you were sentient, if you could breathe, uh, you could vote without proving who you were. You might vote multiple times, actually. But uh, so I would like to see a more reasonable uh, vote. I've always been against early voting, although I've done it twice in my life because it was there and convenient for me. But I guess at some level, I would be okay with early voting, but do it in person. Mail-in voting, I still have my regrets and, and so forth about that, but it would take, in my view, absolute proof that you are who you say you are, that you are entitled to vote in that precinct or that district or whatever uh, in that state, uh, and that you are indeed a citizen uh, who has warranted to vote. I do think voting should be limited to citizens because it's citizens who pay the bills. It's citizens who bear the responsibilities. It's citizens who bear the burdens when government implements and, and does certain things. So citizens should have the final say. But I might also add, in the same level, I'm very, very suspicious of democracy. I believe a republic is a smarter, wiser, more reasonable way to go. Pure democracy means you can you can panic the herd into doing whatever they seem feel is right at the moment and run over the minority, the vocal minority who may be more reasonable and sound and have better ideas. And uh, so uh, it's, it's a real crux. I guess it comes back down to my bottom line, whereas I think maybe in many respects our 330 million people in this nation may be just too many, too many people with too many variants among us to come up with a true consensus of where we should go and how we should go about doing it. So anyway, okay, enough with trucking, but I want to say they give me hope. 
And in March, when the supposed freedom convoy in the United States kicks off, um, I hope it's real. I hope it's not just an artificial scheme, whatever. Okay, I have some news stories. Breitbart Business Digest from Thursday says 50 basis points to flatten the curve, the inflationary curve, the half-point interest rate increase. Basically, they're saying that's baloney. We're probably going to have more. Um, What we have is with an active Fed now, and they've been inactive for a long time, but if they become active, then you're going to see all kinds of market fluctuations up and down. And certainly supply chain issues affect the market and so forth. So what kind of a freedom convoy effect would that have on the market and the supply chain? That remains to be seen. Also from Friday, we have um, in Doug Casey's International Man, he has an article by David Stockman on scientism and the new road to serfdom. And basically, you could get a sense of that, um, is that he believes that science, again, has been, again, still. I mean, you can go back historically to Galileo and Da Vinci and people like that where science uh, was either denied or distorted for the benefit of the elite ruling power. Back in those days, it was the church. Now it's the state. But where scientism is creating the means and methods of control to make serfs out of us all. And uh, I, I agree with that. And then from Luke Lango's hypergrowth investing on Saturday, uh, he's predicting a 10-year housing market boom. And I'm not sure I agree with that because if they keep raising interest rates, if we keep having massive inflation, then it's going to be more difficult for people to buy housing and to qualify for loans and things of that nature. So that remains to be seen. We do certainly have a shortage of existing housing. So maybe the two will wash out and we'll see whether or not it's indeed a boom going forward. But I just want to encourage you. I I saw a meme on Facebook that said uh, the science has changed. The science now has 18 wheels. Remember that. So this is Living Liberty for today. I'm your host, Charlie Earle. Remember to stay free, be free, and live free. Have a good day.